Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. It is time for your Jazz Insider Report presented by Cypress Credit Union. With the lowest fees and quickest keys, Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details today. Let's uh, get on out to the Sprint special guest line. Uh, get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, live from Sacramento. He's our good friend, David Locke. What's up, David? Sitting in Sacramento traffic, on the bus, off the plane, waiting to go to the hotel, bumper to bumper. Isn't traveling the best? Don't you just love it? It's a lot of time in every day. We, you know, we have not had a, I'm not, I mean, this is just a fact. So the guys have not had a day yet where we don't play or don't travel. Hmm. In the spirit of uh, load management, uh, David, shouldn't something be done about that? Um, well, I think this was done in the spirit of load management, except for the fact that we're on the West Coast, and so we have all these one and outs and one and backs. That's why we travel more miles than any team in the league this year. So this is kind of the first. You know, we'll be playing our, what, sixth game, in, and it's will be in six no cities back-to-back yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it won't be until our eighth and ninth games that we play in the same city back-to-back. Monday will be their first day where they don't fly or don't have something to do, and then we're home all week. Would you rather go on a long road trip? Yes. Yeah. I, you're, I always have thought that. I've always thought the West Coast and back are, are much more exhausting than um, the, or, yeah, the one outs and backs are much more exhausting than the multiple trip. I mean, this one's nice because we come out here, we play Sacramento, we go to L.A. So you at least knock off two while you're out here, and then you come back, and so that seems fine. Um, what's tough is when you go out and play and you come back, you're back at 3.30, that's your off day. When you arrive at 3.30 in the morning, that day itself is your off day, and the next day you play. It doesn't really feel like, you know, you just kind of feel like you're still going. Can, can I ask you a question about about load management real quick, David? We, we were talking, Jake and I were talking about this earlier. In those years when John and Carl went to the NBA Finals, do you think if they had taken every fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth game off, that that would have increased their performance in the in the postseason, or do you think that's uh, that's nonsense? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think you know one of those we end up sweeping the Lakers and then having nine days off before the finals. So that's right. I don't know what the impact would have been. I mean, I think the problem in the finals was that Michael Jordan was great, and I don't think load management would have made Michael Jordan any less good. Um, but I do think that. I mean, I think Jerry load managed John Stockton the whole time, right? Like, if you go look, he played 30 minutes, and he never played more, and he, you know, he had the kind of he had that system, and and so I think that's where some of this load management science isn't really known yet, or isn't science. Like, so you give Kawhi Leonard the day off, so he plays 34 less NBA minutes. If you over a course of six games played him 30 instead of you know, I guess it'd be eight games, played him 30 instead of 34, played him 28 instead of 34 over six. Is that the same thing? 
Like, is it cumulative minutes? Is it minutes on a given night? Is it? I don't. They don't know the answer to that. That that science has not been done yet. I would prefer that because I think it's more fair for the fans. Um. Yeah. I, I mean. I, I'm, I don't really I haven't thought about it. it's an interesting debate, right? So if Kawhi Leonard stays healthy, but what's bad for the fans? What just happened to Steph Curry? And that has nothing to do with load management. Right, right now, you miss seeing him on TV, and you miss seeing him. Those who get to see him in person. The fan who gets to watch on TV, I think, is just as important in some ways as the fan who gets to, you know, watch it on, go to the game. I mean, I'm not, um, you know, it's nice if you get to go to a game, but some people can't do it. So I don't think going to a game defines, you know, whether we should value you a fan or not. But I, so I, but it just, you know, so if you didn't get to see Kawhi last night on television, it's not good either. Now, for some reason, that means you actually get to see Kawhi more because he didn't get, doesn't get hurt later in the season because of that, then that's great. So I, I don't, but there's no proof to that. And, you know, there's no proof of whether it's, you know, cumulative minutes or cumulative games or whether it's practice time or, um, you know, there's knowledge now. Uh, the only the only science I have seen, I, thought, I think there was a study once that, that you're something like 8% slower the day after on a back, on the second game of back-to-back. Okay, that's, that's like, that's worth noting. I mean, I, I've always thought that the league was going to get to a point where you, if you, you end up, if you had enough depth, you would have, you'd almost have an A team and a B team for back-to-backs. Um, your bench guys would play both A and B team, but your starters would be divided up and you'd have an A and a B team so that Rudy and Donovan and Mike play one night and Boyan and Joe and Royce play the other or something like that. Probably wouldn't do it that way, but um, just because if you really are 10% slower or whatever it is, that's significant. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, David, I've got a compliment for you because, of course, I was listening to the uh, to the broadcast last night, and I thought you very appropriately captured the energy that was in the building of the third quarter specifically last night. I thought you and Boone did a, did a terrific job. So describe to me from your vantage point watching Mike Conley come out and have a performance like that in the third quarter. It was cool. I mean, I think – you know, it really was bothering him. Like that's, I think what we, I think when you see those reactions, you actually realize how much was bothering them beforehand. Right. Like you didn't doubt it, but I don't think any of us quite understand what those eight days were like for Mike Conley. You know, here he's in a new town, new city, wants to do well, probably wants to do well more than any other time other than a playoff series he's played in, but that's different. Like he doesn't think anyone's not going to love him if he doesn't play well in a playoff series here. He's trying to prove himself to a, a brand new fan base and, and all these aspects. And all of a sudden it's just not going well. And, and doesn't go well again. It kind of goes okay, and then it goes not well, and it goes not well. And then I think it actually, you know, I would guess that, I would guess that, you know, the fourth one it probably nodded a little bit, like wondering, hmm, why is this still going on, and you know, what's it going to take? And so for him to have that night and hit those shots, and you know, kind of get back to being himself, I think was, was super important. And for the Jazz, it was a sign of you know what this offense can do. I think the most interesting play in that whole sequence was the, the lob to Rudy. Yeah. That all of a sudden, if Mike Conley's rolling, then they have to shift over, and then suddenly Rudy's open again because they're not leaving Boyan and they're not leaving Joe. And I, I think that's uh, to me that was that was the play actually that was the moment of like, oh, that's what the Jazz offense can be. Is Mike Conley hits a few shots and then he's driving. Now you got to shift over to him, and then boom, here comes, you know, here comes Rudy with the with the dunk. David, I saw a tweet that you sent out earlier today, and I, I, I couldn't agree with it more. Something to do along those same lines that uh, the Jazz offense was uh, pretty much fully uh, unfurled in that game last night. Can you uh, expand on that a little bit? Well, I mean, what's interesting is it, it just 
the offense quite hasn't gone yet. Now, you know, they're not offensive rebounding at all. They're about 29th in the league in offensive rebounding, so that'll make it hard for them to be an elite offensive team if they don't have any offensive rebounding, and this roster might not offensive rebound. Um, but, you know, we're beginning to see the shooting. They're shooting 38% from three. I think it's sixth best in the NBA so far, and, you know, that's with Mike Conley not playing particularly well and Joe Ingles not playing well, and the two guys that are hot are Royce O'Neal and Jeff Green. So they'll come down to life, and and Mike and Joe will get going, and there's a decent chance this team's a 39 40% three-point shooting team. And so now you have all the spacing that you've ever wanted with some guys who can really drive and penetrate with the best vertical spacer in the league and Rudy Gobert. It's, it's, I've never doubted this offense was going to be good this year. My question the whole time was whether the defense could be as good, and thus far the defense is better than it was a year ago. David, we've heard you talk about it often, the best shots in the game, corner threes, dunks, layups, you know, shots at the rim. This year, Donovan Mitchell has taken and made more mid-range shots. It's become a, a bigger part of his game. He only attempted two threes, and he actually addressed it a little bit in the post game. But I'm wondering your thoughts on his transitioning shot selection. What did he say post game? Oh, uh, we could. Uh, I, I would hate to misquote him. We could he dig said, it up, but he said that he was uh, he was uh, finding gaps and he was being more patient and he was slowing down. So, when I get what he's doing, and your best players are going to have to take mid range shots, but the Jazz are taking as a team way too many right now. Hmm. So they they've got to they've got to get that shot composition as an offense back to where it needs to be which is having your mid-range shots be somewhere between, you know, probably 23 to 18% to 23% of your shots. Like 18 is pushing it a little bit, but um, that's what you'd like. Um, they're they're high right now. Uh, now Donovan's making his, but he's making them at an unnatural rate. Uh, he, you know, if he can be one of those few guys in the league that shoots over – I mean, the thing is on the mid-range shot, when you – look at it, the best guys in the league, there's like four of them that shoot over 45%, and that's it. That's, I mean, so it's just not a shot that goes in um, for whatever reason. And um, if he can be one of those guys, that's nice. It's still just point nine points for a possession, but it does open up a lot of things, and it's what teams are going to give you. So, you know, he's going to have to make that shot um, to be, you know, a bona fide lead scorer in the league. He just, his game doesn't need to be dependent on that shot, and I would say as good as he was last night, he's not going to be efficient very often when he takes 13 of his 15 shots or 15 of his 17 shots as, you know, twos. And if most of them are long twos, particularly because you never get fouled on them. So uh, I think it's important that he makes that shot. And I think it's important he has it in his repertoire, but it's not a shot which I think you can live by. David, what's your uh, sort of articulation of what you're seeing out of Boyan Bogdanovich thus far? A lot. I mean, I think that's the story, right? Is there's just so much to his game. The one play that caught me was in Phoenix where you're on the floor, and so you just have a different feel for the game. Thank you to the Phoenix Suns for that. Um, and Al McCoy. Uh, but he drove to the basket, and he just rose up faster and higher than I than I naturally thought he would. I mean, there's an element as an announcer when you're watching a game that you kind of are anticipating what's about to happen. And he just did those two things. He got higher and up faster than I anticipated. So, you know, you saw last night there was a play where he lined somebody up. Um, trying to remember who it was. It wasn't a great defensive player. It might have been Zubak. But he lines him up and just beats him. I mean, he just beat him. Like, you didn't even see. But you couldn't really see what he did. It wasn't like he went in, you know, 
crossed over and beat him. He just kind of went in and out with the right hand and just beat him. So I just think there's a little more to him in every way than what you naturally perceive. His three-point shooting's good, but his release is better than you realize. It's so quick. His drive game, I think he's a little more elusive than maybe you'd think he was otherwise. His ability in the, in the paint is a, he's a little stronger than you think he is. I, I just think there's a little more to him than, than, you, than you think. And, you know, he's not a guy we all watch very much. You're not sitting around watching Indiana a great deal. I mean, I watch this league about as much as anyone can, and um, you know, everyone always asks me, like, oh, what shows do you watch? I'm like, I watch the NBA. You know, I, I like, on the plane today, watch Charlotte, Sacramento, and Houston, Washington. Like, I'm a loser. <laughs> um, so I watch, you know, I watch a lot, and I still didn't watch a lot of Indiana. So uh, he, he's really good. Um, and we have three guys who can go put 20 on a board on a given night. And that, that, there aren't a lot of teams in the league that have that. David Locke with us, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David, um, before the Jazz played Oklahoma City, you did your pregame hit uh, with the pregame show with us, uh, as you do before every game, you and Ron, and, and uh, it's a great part of the pregame. Uh, but you mentioned how uh, Oklahoma City had changed how they were using Stephen Adams, and he was going to sag while defending the pick and roll and uh, sag on the uh, down into the paint. And we saw that, and, and through the course of this young season, I've noticed Rudy hasn't gotten as many lobs as he did last year, so at, at practice... I asked Rudy about it, and he said that pretty much every team had been sagging the big that they had played to that point, and that was probably three, maybe four games into it. Uh, but my, my question for you is, do you think that this is an adjustment to Rudy and we're going to see teams play this way more, or is it maybe some one-off situations with some teams that just game plan that way by sagging the big? Gordon, are you listening to this? I am. Are you seeing what's, ha- are you seeing what's happened to our guy Jake Scott right here? I mean, like that's basketball savant questions right there. All right, <laughs> look at you. You, hey. you do the pre, you do the pregame postgame show long enough. You go to enough practices. Look, look what's happening to our guy Jake Scott here. We're talking dropping big defenses, defensive trends in the NBA. Jake, welcome to the loser club. <laughs> you should go back to the cool dude you were beforehand. Everyone's always thought you were like this cool, suave dude. Now you're like a dad and you're talking dropping bigs. You've lost it, kid. Uh, so you're actually on a really big issue in the NBA. This is probably the number one item that those of us that are junkies, like we're talking about, talk, are talking about right now. The Two years ago, the league went to switching because the Rockets were switching everything. And that was the big in vogue thing. And the Warriors were switching everything. And those are gone. No one is doing it anymore. Maybe the Rockets are doing a little, but I don't think so. Because the Rockets are only allowing 26% of shots at the rim right now. So I'm certain they're just dropping Capella to the rim to do that. Milwaukee last year put Brooke Lopez right in front of the rim all season long and allowed teams to shoot threes. Interestingly enough, they allowed teams to shoot above the break threes uh, and specific players. And... They only allowed 30% of shots at the rim, and they were the number two defense in the NBA. And the, we are the number one defense in the league with Rudy dropping, and the entire league has now followed. So the, the death of the big man is somewhat over in the sense that the big man's alive again, and the big man, if you have him, is dropping into the restricted area with his hands high and protecting the rim. And right now, in the opening week of the season, there are four teams in the league who are only who are allowing less than thirty percent of shots at the rim? Last year, the Milwaukee Bucks did that, and it was like stunning. 
nobody hit allowed that few shots at the rim. So this is a huge part of what's going on in the league. It's, it relates to uh, your previous point as well, which is why is Don, why is Donovan taking so many mid-range shots? Because when he's driving right now, that big is sitting all the way back, taking away Rudy's role, and that's the shot that he has available to him. So this is the number one trend in the league. And, um, you know, I could really go on on this for a long time. I really feel um, if you can be passionate about something that's really geeky, um, I'm very passionate in my belief um, and have written quite a lot of little internal, you know, basketball dissertations on this, that Moneyball in the NBA is a defensive game as much as it is an offensive game. The Spurs have shown a little bit that you can offensively do things uh, differently than the Rockets and still be a good. But I, um, I mean, how far do you want me to go here? You really, I mean, I could dig in deep. Do you, since like dying, we got time. I and mean, I could really dig in deep. Well, we, David, you, you still with David? us? Did we lose David? Oh, I'm right here. Oh, okay. there you are. You right. broke up. Hey, I'd say dig uh, away. Uh, we got a, go we ahead. got a couple yeah. of minutes. Dig on in. All right. So if you look across the league at the standard deviation of opponents shooting percentages based on spot of floor. So in other words, what I mean by that is the range from the best shooting to the worst shooting teams on above the break threes on the mid range jumpers, the rim. Okay. If you eliminate kind of the outliers, so one or two on each side, um, or two or three, you know, one through three. So the the top three teams above the the margin between what the fifth team in the league shoots on a long two, and what a twenty sixth ranked team in the league shoots on a long two is about a percentage point. And the same is true for an above the break three. So over the course of a season. Where you make people shoot is actually, in my opinion, more important than how you actually defend the actual shot. Now, coaches don't want to believe that. Um, some of them actually are beginning to. Um, but so the rim is 1.3 points per shot. The corner two, three is 1.2 points per shot. The above the break three is about 1.1 points a shot. And the mid-range shot is 0.8 points per shot. Huge difference on those last ones. So where you force people to shoot is the money ball defensive game, more importantly, frankly, than how you defend the actual shot, particularly the mid-range versus the threes because of that .3 to .4 difference. It doesn't matter how much you defend that shot. It's still just a way better shot if someone takes a three. And so the Jazz with Rudy are able to protect the rim at an elite level. They have been bending the other people's shot chart all year long. The fact they can still do that without favors is not surprising to me. It was a little overplayed, frankly, by everyone in town on favors thing. If you looked at a larger sample size, the Jazz have always been great with just Rudy and a small. And so this means the Jazz have a decent chance of still being a great defensive team. But this is truly, to me, the number one thing I look at a game. Last night at halftime, Clippers were shooting 52% of their shots from the mid-range. I looked at Ron, I was like, we're winning this game by 20. You cannot beat someone shooting 52% of your shots from the mid-range. You can get lucky for a short period of time, but you can't beat someone. And over the course of a season, if you're doing what the Jazz are doing defensively, 
with the way they're bending people's shot chart, you will be a top five defense, guaranteed. The Jazz last year, I will stop after this. The Jazz last year, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe, according to my metrics, won five games solely based on how they bent the shot chart. Five. It's huge. David, your wealth, your overabundance of knowledge, you are a loser. <laughs> Thank you. I'm proud to be a loser. I love this stuff. I really do. I'm proud. And, you know, right I think there you know, you. Gordon. You you know my dad a little. I was I was raised in the '80s, '70s, and '80s. In night, I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. And uh, you know, I admire my dad so much. I love to tell the story. So I was a baseball pitcher in Little League Baseball in '80, 80, '81, and '82. And the only statistic that we kept was whip. But we didn't know it was called whip. It was walks plus hits equaled innings pitched. And that was all my dad ever talked to me about on every outing I ever had as a pitcher. From 10, 11, and 12 years old, he was 10 years before the baseball went to those stats. So I was raised in a house where you looked at the game this way. And it's the way I look at basketball. It's a huge factor. The league was behind. Quinn was way ahead on this issue for the last three years. It's why we've been the number one defense in the league two years in a row. The league is, be, there's a decent discuss, there's a decent discussion for us to continually have if you're interested in this over the next few weeks of whether or not we have small sample size or the rest of the league is following what the Jazz and the Bucks have done. Next time we have you on, David, I, I would like to give this some thought because I want to hear from you what you think the next big trends are based on your research, based on your study. We'll get into that next time. But, uh, I, you know, I mean, with all that research you've done, I imagine you might be better positioned to forecast these things than, than darn near anybody else. Interesting. I worked on two major studies this summer. I uh, zeroed on one, and I think I found something on the other, so we can talk about this next time. All right. A little tease for next uh, next week. I like Sounds it. Sounds good to me. Great work, as always, David. And, uh, hey, look forward to talking to you tomorrow in the pregame. See you, guys. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, with us. Get a little geeky. Well, we like getting geeky with Locke. And, and seriously, that uh, that sagging the big thing, I know David got into it at, at, at great length, but it's there's a noticeable difference with Rudy this year, and that's they're they're playing him different. And it, it sounds like it's a league trend more than just focused on Rudy, but that's there's an impact on that. Well, I like that quote from Rudy where he said, uh, and he said this multiple times, that uh, opponents have – some decisions to make. Yep. All right. Uh, David's interview today brought to you by our friends at Cypress Credit Union with the lowest fees and quickest keys. Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details. I got a headache. Coming up next, uh, there are some... Uh, 1.8% of the time. There, there are some statements coming from uh, Provo about Logan <laughs> that have created a bit, a bit of a stir, but should they... We'll get well, into that I, coming I up next. I think they will uh, 2.5% of the time. What the hell just happened? More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Want to remind you about our friends at Diamond Airport Parking. Fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle service. Detail, oil changes, and glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport, 
parking with the best rewards program in Utah. Only airport valet service in Utah. Park ride and save just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Diamond Airport Parking. Happy Halloween, everyone. Jay Drew, formerly of the Salt Lake Tribune, currently of the Deseret News. I bet the Des News people would be happy if I dropped that formerly of the Tribune thing. But he was there for so long. Oh, it's, whatever. I mean, it's he's with the Desert News. Our boy Jay, making it happen uh, there for the Des News. Uh, talk to Moroni, Lualu, Pututau. Laulu. Laulu. Dang, thought I had it. Uh, and uh, he gave, Moroni gave some uh, quotes about Logan. Mm-hmm. He said this, quote, people up there, man, they just have a chip on their shoulder. We, uh, we are kind of separated from everybody else. We are in our own little bowl up there. So I feel like they need to, I don't know, stay close and protect their own. They kind of realize they are not part of Utah. They are not part of BYU. They are just Utah State. They are in their own world up north doing their own thing. He goes on. He says, honestly, we are just lonely up there. We are in the middle of nowhere up there. So, I mean, I didn't really get out of the valley until after high school. And then I realized there is a whole another world out there. And, of course, Moroni... uh, comes from Mountain Crest High School up there in Hiram. So it almost So he can say that. He can say that because those are his people up there, right? Because so he's more, experienced. It. So he's more it's more palatable coming from within. It's like if I criticize your family or I criticize where you live, Jake, uh, well, maybe I could because we live near each other. But, I mean, you know, an outsider does it and you get mad. But if an insider does it, then you have a wider berth. That it's okay. Well, I don't know if it's completely okay, but I don't know how, <laughs> how Utah State fans feel about him saying oh, they're in their own little world up there. See, I've got no problem with it, though, because it's through his lens. That was his experience. In cash value. Yeah, but what if, what if, let's say someone talks, a, a, a former athlete goes to Utah and then later on says, oh, what a bunch of country bumpkins there, you know, and that's their lens they're looking through, but it doesn't necessarily make it true. Here, I'll give you an example, and and this doesn't happen often, which I think is a good sign. But we all get bent out of shape when people in the NBA in NBA circles criticize Salt Lake that we're different and no that you can't life. no nightlife and all that stuff. And I, and I I find it obnoxious. I, I really do. It it genuinely bothers me because that's not who we are, and it's not representative but of, our, uh, of our it, community. Does it make it even worse? But if if a player were to come here, play here for several years, and then say those things, I think I would feel differently. If that was their experience, oh, that might even hurt more. It probably would hurt more. That's why I'm saying we don't we don't really see it. In mm-hmm. fact, even guys like Carlos Boozer leave here and and just talking about how great it is. Darren Williams moves back. I mean, it just it doesn't have. But but wouldn't you? Know, you he's pulled a hammy trying to say nice things about around here. Seriously, but wouldn't you? Wouldn't you respect that opinion more from someone who's experienced it? You know what I mean? Like if if you're in Logan, that was that was MLP's experience up there. He felt isolated. He said he, he really didn't get out of the valley much until until he was after yeah, high school. Yeah, but the problem with those kinds of statements is. Okay, exactly what you articulated already. That was his experience. It's not everyone's experience. True. Not everybody in Cache Valley feels that way or thinks that way. It's like you're painting with an awfully broad brush there. And and when he was he was saying we, as though he was speaking for everyone, and he can't speak for everyone. But he was trying to explain the premise of the conversation, uh, if I'm not wrong, is Jay asked him why Utah State fans don't like BYU so much. 
And that was kind of what sparked this thought. Yeah, but the problem with that, there's a whole bunch of fan bases who don't like BYU. <laughs> Maybe it's for different reasons. He's just trying to articulate uh, Utah State fans. All right. All right. Okay, but can he speak for everyone? That, that, I, if, I, if I live in Cache Valley and I have a different point of view and I see one of my former neighbors saying that, yeah, this is the way it is up there, that would bug me. If I had a different POV on that. Was there anything he said that was overly negative about Cash Valley? Or was he just stating we're in the middle of nowhere, we're kind of lonely up here? Isolated? <laughs> oh, well, that's perfectly fine. I well, bet, if you like it, that's I bet, a matter uh, of opinion. I bet Utah State fans don't like the part where he says they kind of realize they're not part of Utah, they're not part of BYU, because that kind of sounds condescending. Yeah, right? it sounds like, yeah, okay, you're in some, you're outcast. Yeah, I think he's, I think by Utah he's meaning the, like the rivalry Utah BYU is. Yes, I, okay, I agree. Right. Not yeah, that they're not part of the good, state. No, no, no. That's a good point. But it also could be read that, okay, you're not one of those, and so you are something other. You have no star upon the R. <laughs> you're not important <laughs> enough to be included. <laughs> you're not a yellow bellied sneech. <laughs> a star bellied sneech. Oh, whatever. <laughs> they're all yellow bellied sneeches. And the star, right. the star bellies <laughs> were, gonna... uh, were they preferred? Were they? Uh... I don't know. Let's ask Nerd Boy. <laughs> it went back and forth. If oh, you did read it. The, yeah. What about the analytics on Seuss? You got those for us? Let's <laughs> waste another 18 minutes of our lives. 23.5% of the Starbelly Sneeches. Is that what they were called? Oh, yeah, David. We don't have a clock to stick to. Go ahead. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, Austin got mad at me when I told David to continue. It's 528. To... Go ahead. Take nine more minutes. <laughs> continue to dig into the, the shot selection conversation. Well, okay, all you out there listening right now, do you like it when other people speak for you and say yes, and say we we do this and you're part of the we, and that's not the way you feel? Who's gonna say yes to that? Do you like when other people speak for you? Doesn't, well, some people might might say yeah, that's the way that's the way I feel. Uh-huh. Don't but some don't don't politicians. Do that all the time? Yeah. Specifically, like the president, where he's talking about <laughs> oh, the go. American people. No, I'm not talking about this particular president. I'm talking in general. <laughs> uh-huh. About, like what? We, we the people? <laughs> but isn't that like the president's job is to speak for the people? Especially when it comes to like foreign relations? Isn't that the, the, like, isn't that a big part of what that president does? I guess that's in some cases, yeah. When you're putting forth foreign policy. So I, listen, I will not sit here and let you bash on democracy. <laughs> yeah, but then, I will not. Okay. I will not abide it. Okay, sir. I'm not going to get a into, proud American. I, I don't want to get into the specifics of the whole thing. But if a president says something about, say, a, a, a policy in Syria and says this is the way we feel here, well, there are a lot of people here who don't feel that way. But that's what they do, nonetheless. It's called representative democracy, Gordon. <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> Thanks, Moroni. <laughs> Stay tuned. More Big Show coming up next. We all are interested in this, aren't we all? 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Donovan Mitchell talked about how Rudy lost. Is this about as focused as any team you've had a chance to be around? Not as focused as a French national team. Ah, you lost! That sounded like you in the background. (laughs) You lost! That is you. It was not me! Okay, play it again and then Tony, you do it again. Ah, You lost! (laughs) 
it's you. And you're trying to pass it off as Donovan. Uh, uh, you're trying to place a chasm between the two cornerstone pieces of the Utah Jazz. And you, like, point at Donovan, who was him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so far down there, Rudy's like, who said that? <laughs> like, they looked well, at me, and I was just like, pointing at Donovan. Guy, guy in the towel. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. As the temperatures drop, there's still work to be done. A cold crew is an unproductive crew, and United Rentals has everything you need to keep your job site warm in the cold months ahead. From portable heating to temporary power generation, United Rentals Power and HVAC has you covered. Backed by a team of experts in the largest fleet of rental equipment in the industry. Give our Salt Lake branch a call at 801-804-3400 or visit us online at unitedrentals.com. and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome on back. want to remind you to visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 where there are free pop-and-shot games, cornhole, foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. It's the Ford Fan Zone. Uh, Gordon, uh, you started off the show mentioning all the athletes that uh, dressed up for Halloween and posted and everything, and you mentioned Tom Brady. Um, he dressed up like a stormtrooper from Star Wars. Now, let me ask you this. Is this a shot at Antonio Brown? Because he tweeted out a picture of him in his costume, and he says, Thursday practice notes, Brady, QB, did not practice, refused to take off stormtrooper helmet. Hashtag happy Halloween. Yes. That's a joke. Because that's pretty hilarious, right? Yeah. You see Belichick, he uh, dressed up like a pirate. Now, that dude strikes me as somebody that wouldn't dress up yeah. unless he had to, I guess. Well, he I think he was with his wife, so maybe it's one of those deals where, in your case, where you sort of got uh, you got forced into that. No, yeah, I mean, you say forced. I, I wanted I wanted <laughs> to make my daughter happy. You were forced. I want her to have a good experience. No, a and okay, yes, okay. I'm willing to dress up like Goofy okay. if it means she has a good experience. But had Naz not press the issue would you have found another way to entertain your child uh well yeah obviously but we're a team gordon i mean it's <laughs> we're a team that means yes dear that means her opinion matters <laughs> and by the way she went through through the trouble of assembling said costume so she deserves credit the least did, I wait, could now, do did is you what? have the goofy ears uh she made them and what about the nose uh, didn't go with the nose. You didn't have the snout? Uh-uh. Did you look like Goofy? Uh, probably not. I mean, like I said, it was not a... Well, it, she she did this. She made the Goofy hat, and then the, the ears come out from under the hat, and then I wore an orange shirt like Goofy does and a vest like Goofy does. And Yeah. Uh, so you looked at that, and you said to Naz, yeah, I can do that. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> What's the matter with that? What are, are you being I know judgy over there? Yeah, no, I'm not being judgy. I'm just saying that I know your attitude about this stuff. And so 
I I just uh, am a little surprised that you were so willing to do that. Well, you shouldn't shouldn't be. <laughs> it tells me a, a lot about my your, dedication your, to my family. Yeah, I know. Thank about, you. About your, your relationship with your wife. <laughs> so now you are being judgy. I'm not being judgy. I'm just saying it. Yeah. Because let's not pretend that that when Lisa has an opinion on something, we know what you're doing. Uh, let's not pretend. That's that, a that, that's, that's a rather strong point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, stay tuned. years of bliss. Hey, man. hey, you've made it. I'm, I'm not judging at all. You've got a wonderful relationship with your wife, and you've been together for uh, years. There's nothing wrong with she that. Is but the absolute best. But let's not pretend like independent Gordon still exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she gives me my my space to be me. Or does she let you think you have your space to be? <laughs> oh, that could be it too. Stay tuned. More big show next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Wrapping up a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. And you know what, Gordon? Today has been a lot of fun. We usually have fun on the show, but I don't know if, if the three of us were in a particularly upbeat mood or what, but uh, we had a lot of fun on the show today. Well, it's Halloween. And my 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 Nats won. <laughs> we won the World Series. <laughs> let's, uh, let's not get into that. You know, I got home late but, last night. I've been dragging all day, but just been uplifted by the fact that we did it. We arrived... <laughs> When we are the champions. (laughs) When you watch a World Series like that and you don't really, you're not really a fan of either team, (laughs) I'm not suggesting that you're not. I hope you're talking about yourself. (laughs) But everybody sort of had to pick. And I want you to know that I was sending out positive vibes for your team last night. Thank you, And Austin probably was, too. I think you were. Absolutely. Anytime the Astros lose is a good day for an Angels fan. Why do you hate the Astros so much? Because they're they're the same They couldn't hack it in the NL, so they came to the AL, (laughs) and then suddenly got good. Jerks. (laughs) Don't worry, Austin. It always comes back to the bitter. Don't worry, Austin. You'll get to where I am again someday. Someday. When you grow up. (laughs) Someday, you two will experience again. Well, okay. Being the, a World the, Series the champion. The question is, will Austin's joy match yours? I, I in would the, assu- in the afterglow. I would assume so. I, I you but know, I don't, I don't I'm know. not sure that his care factor is quite as high as yours. True. I, he's been an Angels fan for a long time, but I don't know if he's you know been quite on board like I, yeah, like I have. Yeah. Nice hat. <laughs> You asked me today when I was going to take it off because you, you've got to bring me down. That's just I, in I your nature. I didn't to bring you down. I just had never seen that hat until about two and a half weeks ago. I wear it all the time. I don't know what you're talking well, that about. That hat is brand new. <laughs> that thing does not have a blemish on it. Look at the bend of the brim. This is a bend that, that you only like, you know get you from did? a, a you worn know, no. hat. You know what you did with that hat? You pulled it out of the closet and had never been worn before. You put a rubber band around the bill to curve it, and there isn't a single uh, blemish on that hat. It, it is, it, it's brand new. This is a naturally formed bill. The rubber band thing does not give you the shape that you're going for. <laughs> the other day, he tried to tell me he had a, an Expos hat. He just didn't know where it was. And I said, it's in the Amazon Prime warehouse. Ah, I wore it yesterday. Thank no, you very much. No, the other one. Oh, the, the other real one. one. That one's somewhere. 
By the way, is a flat bill in style or is a curved bill in style? What's in style these days? Uh, flat's in style, but not everyone looks good in flat. Is flat still in style? I think it, so. It moves around. And so my question then becomes, is it like hair length, where nowadays anything goes? You can wear it any way which you want. Because I, I wore a hat like this to a jazz game last year, and there were a bunch of youngins in there, you know, young uh, media people and whatnot. And they told me it looked like a, a dad hat. It is. It's a fish. It's a stained. No, no, it fish wasn't hat. this hat. Oh, but it it had the curved bill instead of the flat brim. You what do have a wide uh, variety of dad hats. <laughs> but if I, you oh, wore a flat brimmed hat, I do have one. Remember, I wear that yeah. every once in a while. And I always wonder I where always, your skateboard is. No, I, <laughs> I always get compliments from people when I wear that hat. Hmm. No, I don't think so. No, you think they're just being polite? Yes. Oh, well, now, or, I'll or, never wear that again. Or setting you up. Well, really, are you, uh, is, is what you put together on a daily basis trying to be in style? Because <laughs> you're not close. <laughs> it's not. See, I'm not in style either, but I am, am 100% aware of, of that fact and, and do not care. Are, I mean, are, are you assembling these ensembles thinking? Not style. Well, I, I should no. be, I, I'm in style here? No, no. Not, the style is not, no, I, I, that's not. That's not what I'm concerned with. Comfort is what I'm concerned with. Right. So that's that's what you own. And then you say, I don't flat curved. Who cares? I, I, I wear see, what I, I like. See, I get that all the time. People say, you know, they'll see me in a suit and tie. And they'll say, wow. You know, I say, man, I could, this is, I, I do this maybe not all the time, but I, I can do this. You know, don't define me by what I wear. Coming up next, The Movie Zone, starring Austin Horton and Adrian Leiser. Big thanks to Bruce Feldman, who is on with us. Sam Amick, your NBA Daily Assist. David have? Locke. Yeah, go ahead. All uh, up online, 1280thezone.com, or where you find your podcast. Certainly uh, just search out The Big Show. What do we have to look forward to in The Movie Zone? Uh, well, we didn't really get into last week's poll question, and we had almost 100 answers, so we're going to do that. Guilty pleasures. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie Zone's next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.